Good morning everyone. We're going to be looking at that passage from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. So if you'd like to have that passage from 2 Timothy 1, if you've got a Bible there, you might like to have that open in front of you uh, just now. But let's pray before we come to look at God's Word together. Heavenly Father, the uh, book of James in your Word uh, tells us that we should not be uh, hearers of your Word only, but to, to be doers of your Word, to put your Word into practice in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to hear and to do your word. We pray that this sermon this morning would help all of us to be able to, to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to show you two pictures. And what you do have to do is tell me what those two pictures have in common. I think this might be quite hard, OK? So I'll give you a minute. Here we go. Two pictures. You have to tell me what, what they have in common. And in fact, whether you know what they are. Any any ideas? I'll tell you what they are. One of them is the Sinclair C5. It was an electric vehicle which um, was um, uh, came up in the the 1980s, in the mid 1980s, from Sinclair, the computer manufacturer at the time. Um, that's the electric sort of bicycle vehicle type thing. And it wasn't very successful, in fact. Uh, the other one is a Microsoft Zune. And that was what Microsoft produced at a music player back in the uh, early 2000s. And that also was not very successful. In fact, I think you could say both of them were, were failures. And that was the thing which I, I wanted, uh, wanted you to say, that they were both um, you know, failures where, where companies, they try to branch out into another area and it hadn't gone well. And that was the point of, of both of those things. It's a warning, isn't it, though, very often that companies, when they try to branch out into new areas where they're, which is outside of their core kind of business, they don't often get things right. And um, they, failures like this do happen. And it's a warning to us, I think, that you know, we need to be thinking about what is uh, essential. Now, our whole series, as, as Mark said last week, is about what's essential, is about thinking about you know, during this time when so many things are changing, about holding on to, to what is essential at the moment. Now, last week, Mark was uh, helping us think about uh, the first part of 2 Timothy, and we looked at faith and the Holy Spirit. This week we are looking now at grace and the gospel and those are the, the two things that we are, uh, we are thinking about what's essential about the church this week. So uh, let's look at our passage today. So one, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 9 to 18 and in verses uh, 9 and 10 at the start of our passage today I think Paul gives us a lovely um, kind of picture of the gospel in a nutshell. I think it's one of the best, most concise definitions actually of the gospel in, in the New Testament. This is what he, he says. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. God saved us and called us to a holy life. So that's, that's really important to start with, isn't it? You know, God saved us and called us to a holy life. He's not, uh, he's not, looked at us and thought, ah, 
that you know that Phil or whoever it is you know they're they're living a pretty good life I'm going to save them but God saves us and calls us to a holy life afterwards really important with the gospel um, that, that that our holiness comes after we've been saved um, and uh, as if to emphasize that he says not because of anything we have done so it's not because we're good people that God looks upon us and thinks oh I'm going to save Phil or I'm going to save Bob or whoever it might be um, but that God instead of that God doesn't do it because of the things that we deserve but because of his own purpose and grace and this is what he goes on to say but because of his own purpose and grace that's why God uh, God saves us God's grace it's really important and he says it was given uh, in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but it's now been revealed through the appearing of our saviour Christ Jesus so uh, it was given before the beginning of time but it's now been revealed it was always God's plan um, to bring us this this grace but it's now been revealed in Jesus Christ it made me think actually of of um, the book of Ephesians um, you remember we looked at Ephesians a year or two ago um, but Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 which says that he chose us in him in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight so we've been chosen from before the foundation of the world God's grace extends as you know far back far beyond the creation of the universe isn't that amazing to think about how God's grace is is so so big and uh, it says that Jesus he um, uh, has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel so he's saying there is a future that's the future now for those who believe and trust in Jesus that is the future so all of this is a summary of of the gospel and it is the gospel of grace grace is is fundamental it's an, an, an integral part of the gospel you can't take take grace out of the gospel and and it still remain the gospel so I think that's why it's important to look at gospel and grace together because you know they are they are joined at the hip you know they are um, they go together and they have to stay together so in this uh, the next couple of verses verses 11 12 Paul he says of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher so Paul says that his mission is bound up with the gospel his entire purpose as an apostle is bound up with the gospel particularly with teaching this particular and proclaiming this particular gospel and even he says he says this is why I am suffering as I am he's saying that the gospel is so important that he would even suffer for it now what is so important these days that that we would consider suffering for it what do we find so important I was thinking about you know maybe being a spy or something you know having a mission that's that important in order to suffer 
I was, it actually made me think a bit of, um, you know, James Bond and you know, do expect me to talk. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And, um, you know, how, uh, but how even in, you know, quite lighthearted films in some respects, you know, the James Bond, that he actually goes through some pretty intense suffering at times. Um, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? That, you know, if our mission, if our purpose is so important, then we will, suffering will be part of it. Because it's, it is that important, something that we need to do. And Paul says that the gospel is the reason that he is suffering. It's so important to him um, because of the way that God has called him. But he says that it is no cause for shame. Um, it's, it's worth it in the end. Why is it worth it? Because he says, and uh, I think these are famous words, I think because of the hymn, because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that, until that day. So he says that God is the one at the end of the day who's able to make the gospel prosper. God is the one who is able to make the suffering worthwhile. He trusts in the Lord and, um, and that is what uh, at the end of the day his confidence is based on. And so then in these next couple of verses, we reach the, the heart of this passage. And I think this is actually close to the heart of what 2 Timothy is all about. And really important for us as we think about what's essential for us as a church. He says, what you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching. So he's saying that this message that he's passed on, this gospel message that he's passed on. He says, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. So this gospel message is something that needs to be kept. It's something that, that we need to ensure doesn't get, doesn't get lost. Um, and he says, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. So he's saying that you know, faith and love in, in Christ Jesus are fundamental. They're, 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 you know, it's what the Christian faith is all about. But alongside that, or as part of that, we need to ensure that we keep, we keep this, this pattern of sound teaching that, uh, that Paul, the apostle, and the other apostles have given us. And in fact, it, keeping it means, as he says in verse 14, guarding it, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Now, why does he say that we need to guard it? The reason is because there are many distortions of of the gospel going around and uh, there are many assaults going on in the world today and, and throughout the ages on the gospel. And it comes from outside the church, but especially from from within the church. You know, we need to be on guard against the way that the gospel is distorted and you know, we need to be really careful to to listen to the, the message of the apostles of Paul and the apostles the message of Jesus himself as we as we um, you know uh, are in the church we need to we need to guard it uh, and that's because the message is entrusted to us it's not our message it's God's message which he has entrusted to us he's given it to us to look after if you like I was thinking um, actually about the the antiques roadshow 
I haven't watched it in a little while. I used to watch it quite regularly, but of course, one of the things on the Antiques Roadshow is you would get someone come in with, you know, some family heirloom and they get it valued, and it would be, you know, the predictably the whoever it was who was valuing it would get the value, and they'd be, oh, I didn't realise it was valued so much, and you know, and they and often people would say, well, it's not leaving the family. You know, this is going to be left to future generations. This is something I need to make sure is kept for the future. They guarded it for the future. And that's like the gospel with us. Now, we need to make sure that the gospel is guarded. We need to make sure that it's kept safe, um, both for ourselves, but also for, for future generations. Now, Paul, though, he, he says we're not alone in this. He says, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And that's the lovely thing that you know we're not on our own. We're not on our own when it comes to guarding the gospel, that actually we have the help of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us and he helps us. That's really good news. It made me think actually of that hymn, Thy hand, O God, has guided. You might recognise these words. Your mercy will not fail us, nor leave your work undone. With your right hand to help us, the victory shall be won. And, you know, thinking that, yes, it may seem like a a really difficult task to keep and to guard the gospel, but God's God's Holy Spirit is with us and his right hand is helping us. With his help, the victory shall be won and we'll be able to guard and hold on to the gospel. Now, these next few verses seem a bit out of place. The verses that we had at the end, he talks about um, Phygelus and Hermogenes who deserted him, and then Onesiphorus, who who came to find him. Why does he include these people here? And I think the reason is, it's just an illustration of what he's just been talking about. Um, Phygelus and Hermogenes, they deserted Paul, and it's like an example of what happens when you don't guard the gospel. They desert Paul, they leave him. Whereas Onesiphorus is a good example, he comes to find Paul. And it says that he was not ashamed. Um, He was not ashamed of my chains. You remember Paul said that he was not ashamed um, of of being in chains for the gospel. Onesiphorus came to join him in that. And so uh, that he's the good example. He is what uh, what Paul is talking about. And this this, I think, is actually a good way of us, of us finishing this passage in thinking about the, the choice that we have, thinking about who we want to be like, uh, like Phygelus and Hermogenes or, or like Onesiphorus. Now, will we um, choose to abandon grace and the gospel? Will we choose to abandon Paul and the message of, of the apostles? Now, maybe we think that it's too much to suffer for Christ. Maybe we think, oh, I just, I don't want to suffer and I'm not going to. So I'm just going to abandon the message. Maybe we think that the gospel is a bit too old fashioned. Now, maybe we hear too many people in the media or even perhaps in the church saying to us, us, don't want to talk about sin. Sin's so old fashioned. You know, we want to just talk about oh, nice things. Don't don't t- talk about sin at all. Don't talk about God's wrath. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about any of those things. We just want to talk about the nice stuff. Um, will we choose to abandon 
the gospel because of that. Many people have very sadly abandoned the gospel because of the pressures of, of suffering and the pressures of not, not wanting to appear out of touch and old fashioned. On the other hand, we could join with Paul in suffering for and guarding the gospel. As he says in, in chapter 1 verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, suffering is not something which is to be ashamed of, but it's something which is um, just part and parcel of, of the gospel. This is what it says a, a bit later on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, uh, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So suffering is just part and parcel of what it means to um, to believe in the gospel. It goes with it goes with the territory. That could look different in in uh, different lives and in different countries. You know, we know that many Christians in other countries are um, fearing for their lives, and in this country we don't have that that quite yet. Uh, and let's hope and pray that uh, that is not the case anytime soon. But um, there are other ways in which we can suffer. You know, the gospel can cause rifts in our families or in our friendships. Um, you know, we can drift apart from people because you know, we want to, to talk about Jesus or we want to talk about certain things being right and wrong or whatever that may be. The gospel can cause rifts in our relationships. There are other ways too. We could be overlooked for promotion at work because you know, we want to um, try and talk about Jesus or we want to um, you know we're perceived as the religious person and so we're overlooked maybe sadly that kind of thing does happen and there are many many other ways you know people could be mean about us and not not uh, not killing us like I said but um, there are you know people can say hurtful things people can you know think that we um, you know we are, are um, not very pleasant people uh, even if we're trying to be like loving and kind. All of those things come from, from obeying the gospel. But the thing is that the gospel is the only path to life and immortality, as we saw. It's the only way. So will we choose to join with Paul in suffering and guarding the gospel and keeping that as the heart of our church? Will we abandon Paul? Or will we join him and keep and guard the gospel? Let's take a moment to pray and ask God, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to be people who keep and guard uh, the gospel. To be people who are even willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel, knowing that you are faithful, knowing that you help us. We pray that you would help us in our weakness and that you would give us the strength that we need to serve you this day and each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.